in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 614 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, he's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, Ron Upshaw, pretty much on everything, and Don is Don O'Neill34 on Instagram, I believe. Yeah, don't forget, every Monday... Wednesday, Thursday, we do an edition of the Ron and Don Show, just like we used to do on Trusted Radio. We pick three local stories that, uh, yeah, we care about. We figured you might care about them, too. We chew on those for a bit. And then every Friday, Ron, we're doing something super cool that seems to be catching on. A lot of people are listening to this. In fact, people are stopping me on the streets and saying, hey, I've been enjoying the Friday show. So. Yeah, it's real estate only, and uh, we are single-handedly trying to rehabilitate the uh, the reputation of real estate agents. It's crazy out there. Uh, people think of uh, lawyers, car dealers, used car salesmen, and real estate agents as the bottom of the trust barrel. And so we've been trying to go through some of the intricacies of the process and let you know how it should be done the right way, which is the way we like to do it, so that either, A, you've had an experience in the past where, like, God, that was horrible uh, to show you that there is a better way. And if you haven't done real estate in a long time, to maybe go, wow, th- these guys really know what they're talking about. And and I vibe with wanting to do it that way. I- I'm someone that likes to cross the T's and dot the I's. Yeah. Hey, coming up here, uh, we are going to talk about the tomato meter. <laughs> do you use the tomato meter, the rotten tomato meter, to find out if uh, you're going to enjoy a movie or not? My son uses a tomato meter. Evidently, there's lots of trouble and lots of problems with the tomato meter. So we're going to talk about that. Also, what do we do about uh, daytime hosts like Drew Barrymore and now late night hosts? Yeah, like Bill Maher saying, we are crossing the picket line. After five months, it is time to go back to work, and you're not going to believe what those writers say they're going to do when it comes to these particular shows, as it seems like now, yeah, the dam is broken, and a lot of them are coming back. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk to Mitch from Mitch Not Loans. He'll be stopping by to share something with you that uh, is really important if you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing in real estate. Before we get to all that, let's get to this. I, I told Ron the other day, I said, hey, I hope you're enjoying Hard Knocks. I hope you're enjoying watching Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is somebody that I've always respected his intellect, but also I think he's he, he, he can be a little crazy, right? At the same time, I really enjoyed him on Hard Knocks. If you haven't seen it, it's been around about 20 years. Typically, a lot of NFL teams don't like going on that show because out of all the NFL teams that have gone on there, uh, none of them have ever gone to the Super Bowl, and only one has actually played in a playoff game. That's because the only people that can be eligible for Hard Knocks is if you haven't been in the playoffs the past two years, uh, the coaches can say no. So if you're a playoff team, you get to say, yeah, we don't want to be on Hard Knocks. Yeah, so anyway, it seems like this year Aaron Rodgers, who went to play for the Jets, really embraced it. If you watch the show, they've done a much better job. Instead of really focusing on the guys who get cut and get crushed, it's kind of the way that American Idol used to be when Simon Cowell used to be the mean guy. Now Simon Cowell, you turn on AGT, 
America's Got Talent. He's crying and he's hugging people and he's so sensitive. Uh, we've seen something similar now happening with Hard Knocks, which I actually think is a good term. And, and this year what they've done is they focus on the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the backup quarterback there, Zach Wilson, who was taken in the round. I think it was, he was taken number two. Yeah, second pick. Yeah, a couple of years ago by the Jets. He started over the, uh, the last couple of years, really struggled. A lot of people thought he'd get bounced out of the NFL. And then what you see is Aaron Rodgers not just coming to New York, but taking Zach Wilson uh, really under his wing and and showing him how to do a hard count and showing him, hey, this is how I throw the ball at different angles. This is how I fake a sweep. This is how I go long. This is how I throw a fly, whatever that is, right? This is how I read a defense. And you can see that these guys really love each other and really have this connection. And it was interesting because uh, my son told me the other morning, because we've been watching this together, he said, I'm really interested in seeing how Zach Wilson's going to play today. And I had to tell him, well, but Zach Wilson's not going to play today. You saw him play in the preseason, but now as the game starts, uh, he's not going to play. He's going to sit on the bench. Well, my, I guess my son was wrong because four plays in, Aaron Rodgers goes down with an Achilles tear, and so he's out for the rest of the season. Zach Wilson steps in. They end up winning this game. In a lot of ways, though, it was the other team that helped. They turned the ball over four times. The Jets' defense was really great. Uh, and as, as I look at this particular story, Ron, what do you hope happens next? Do you hope that Aaron Rodgers comes back? He re- rehabilitates for a year? Because if he does that, a lot of times when men are older and they snapped one Achilles, the other's getting ready to go. Uh, our friend Rich, who's over at KJR, told me that. He's like, hey, I was out playing tennis one day, approaching 40, snapped my one Achilles, did all the rehab for it, went back playing tennis, and oh, I snapped the other, I snapped the other one. So as I look at this story, I, ho- I hope Aaron Rodgers sticks around. I hope he continues to mentor Zach Wilson. I love that story. And I do hope he comes back for another year, and I hope his NFL career, I hope it ends differently for him and for the New York Jets. Because uh, again, I love this story. What say you about Aaron Rodgers? And I have to say, one of the reasons why I think Zach Wilson was able to win that game the other day was because his connection with Aaron and all the time that Aaron has spent with him in training camp. So even no, Aaron Rodgers wasn't out on the field. In a way, yeah, in a way he was out there. So what say you? The first thing I find interesting is the curse of Joe Namath, which as a guy that's been a West Coaster pretty much my whole life, uh, I wasn't really familiar with this. When Joe Namath won the Super Bowl three, I believe it was, and had his finger in the air, called it out. They beat Johnny Unitas, a huge underdog. They have not done anything since Joe Namath. Hmm. And um, if you're a New Yorker, this is a thing you live with in the same way the Chicago Cubs had a curse and the Boston Red Sox had the curse of the Bambino. Uh, I don't know what the Mariners curse is because they've never won a World Series. But for New Yorkers, this is a real thing. And I've been fascinated to watch lifelong Jet fans react saying this is we knew this was going to happen. Like, we knew it was too good to be true. We got the Namath curse. We can't break the Namath curse. And this has been going on over 40 years now, the Joe Namath curse. And so I I, I was hoping that this would have turned the corner. I mean, it would have been an interesting storyline to watch him go there. You, I, I was going to boycott um, Hard Knocks. You turned me on to it. It was five episodes for the preseason. And, and I won't say that Aaron Rodgers completely won me over. He was winning me over until... It was either episode four or five where he goes into his UFO story 
I'm like, dude, really? Are we talking about UFOs now on an NFL show? So he goes into this long story about uh, seeing a UFO and this whole, you know, rigmarole around that when he was drafted. And it's, it was a little too much for me. Um, but I think you're right. It was, it was interesting to see the little, even like he has one of the best hard counts in league history, which is where you draw people off sides. Yeah. And he shows Zach Wilson how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and how he uses his voice inflection. Russell Wilson had a good hard count uh, as well. And I think he even used that last week. So those little things. And then, I'm learning these new vo- quarterback vocabularies about steps and hitches and all these things, which um, are interesting to me on, you know, when Aaron Rodgers, a coach probably has told the same thing to Zach Wilson a hundred times, but when Aaron Rodgers was next to him, he's like, dude, if I get to two hitches and this thing happens, you got to do this. And Zach was like, oh, okay. Like it sort of clicked with him that Aaron Rodgers could dissect things to that fine of granulation of going, you took a, a half a hitch too long. Or um, even Aaron Rodgers, on, on, they just got a, a new running back. And he's like, you got to give me, you got to be three inches closer to me on that because I'm trying to put the ball right here or else we're going to fumble it. And it like his awareness of space and where everyone on the field should be. I'm sure that every elite quarterback can do that. You just don't usually get a window into that world. So it was really interesting to be like, wow, he knows whether or not the back is three inches to this way or that way. What about if the back's just bigger? Or, you know I mean? I'm going yeah, in my mind. A, I'm no, like, how, a, how, how, do, how do you know all that yeah, stuff? He's, and, a, he's a quarterback savant. The other thing that I liked in Hard Knocks is they talk about two players uh, one of those players not being drafted and they both get called to the coach's office thinking they're going to get cut and they hang on to them. One of those players who in a lot of ways had no business being on this team. Un- Xavier Gibson. Yeah. He ends up winning the game for the Jets on that punt return the other night. And my son had tears coming down his face. So that's the thing about sport, right? And that, that was the thing about watching Hard Knocks is I'm really glad that they focused on Aaron. I'm glad that they focused on this particular player who they didn't think was going to make the team. And then like a storybook, he, go, he goes out and he wins it for the Jets when, when Aaron goes I down. will say everybody that I've heard that has history with an ACL tear or medical doctors that deal with repairing ACL tears say that it gets progressively harder the older it's you are. It's not ACL though. It's, a, it's his, or I mean the, uh, the Achilles. Yeah. Say that it's progressively hard. Doing it at 22 is very different than trying to rehab at 39. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Usually your other one is, is getting ready to rip as well. What, the the, the five, Players Association has come out and said, "That's what I was going to ask." You. Hey, uh, maybe we shouldn't have artificial turf anymore. Even the sport turf that you'll see at the Seattle Stadium, where it's ground up rubber tires in like a plastic grass, supposedly it drains better, which maybe it does. Uh, the Players Association is saying. The NFL makes more money than any other league put in real turf. All the studies say real turf is more forgiving. It's just what bodies are meant to play on. And they're going to have to patch that turf if they put in real turf. They yeah. do that They do that down in Arizona. They grow the turf inside, outside. They bring it in. You're going to have to patch it. If, if you do what they did when you and I worked for the Raiders and the A's were still playing baseball on that, that's how people and a lot of football players remember the turf because you're sharing that with baseball. Well, the and the, NFL next, thing, and the more- next thing you know, it turns into a mud bog what they're going to have to do is repair the turf each, each and every week but yeah that turf gives a lot more it's going to be safer for the players and the, and the players now uh and and, and their representatives are, are coming out and but the nfl doesn't want to do it because you have beyonce coming to town 
and they play in the football stadium. Right. And so if you have grass underneath that and you have 80,000 people watching Beyonce or Ed Sheeran, uh, then you got a, it's a couple hundred grand to replace the entire field. It's and more than that. It's and maybe more than, more than that. They yeah. don't want to, I saw that number on, on uh, welcome to Wrexham. That's what, uh, no, Brian take Reynolds. the turf, convert the turf, con- convert it back. You're looking for two to $3 million to take it, convert it and convert it back. So they, just want to, they don't want to lose the revenue for all the truck shows and stadium concerts and everything that happened at these football stadiums. More on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. And guess what? It's the summer driving season, so that probably means that you want to take your boat somewhere. Yeah, or maybe you want to take your travel trailer, your Jayco, the little pop-up, whatever it is. A lot of times when they're driving, we think of things on four wheels, but not the other thing on two, four, or eight wheels. And that could be your travel trailer or your boat trailer or your ATV trailer. Guess what? Les Schwab has you covered this summer. Yeah, right, we told you about the free pre-trip safety check. Take your boat trailer in there. There's nothing worse than getting a flat or problem with, with the boat on the back. We had a boat fly off a trailer when I was a kid. It was a disaster. So go to Les Schwab right now. Set that up. You can schedule your appointment in advance at LesSchwab.com or stop by any location. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, is the summer months you want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers, but your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com or go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget if you need us, this is a good time for buyers. It is a great time for sellers and it's the perfect time for investors. There's a lot of builders are sitting on the sidelines right now. Reach out to us, ronanddonsitdown.com. Let's come up with a strategy today and your real estate journey should not be, it, it should not come down to uh, an interest rate, right? All the real estate that I have purchased over the years, that in, that interest rate can change because you're going to go in there and you're going to refinance. Yeah, but as far as the deals that we see on the table today, you're not going to see those deals six to 12 months down the road. You're just not. As things are going to stabilize, inflation is stabilizing, and you're going to see a lot more people, including builders and flippers, come back in the market. So anyway, Ron and Don Real Estate, really busy right now. Let's sit down with you, and especially if you've had someone in your life that has passed away, maybe they were collectors, hoarders a little bit, the house needs a lot of work. We specialize in that all over the region. So pick up the phone. Give us a call at 206-245-6514. That's 206-245-6514. Or we can sit down together 
at Ron and Don. Sitdown.com. The tomato meter. What is a tomato meter? Tomato meter. And uh, do the do you use a tomato meter when it comes to, hey, what am I going to watch tonight on Netflix? Are you saying tomato? Tomato. Are you from the Midwest by chance? Holy. Oh, my God. Give me that tomato. Tomato. Uh, tomato meter is a aggregator of um, movie rankings. And movie reviews, and it's uh, one of the first ones. This is really interesting to me, just to do a side note for uh, a half a second, is how these, how the internet has affected uh, the film industry. The first one was with imdb.com, internetmoviedatabase.com, and it was just started by an, uh, a movie enthusiast. He's like, I would like to look up like every movie that some actor's been in. And it was very, very difficult. So in his spare time, he started developing this website where he could add movies. And, and eventually, he allowed other people access to the database. And people started putting every movie and television show of all time into IMDb. And it became it became a big thing where you would go out and you're just like, I want to watch all the Quentin Tarantino movies. You look him up, and then it, it just grew and grew and grew. And that property sold for tens of millions of dollars, I believe, when it was purchased by uh, someone in the industry, just the guy that started a, a deal. Same thing with Rotten Tomatoes. They said, how could we have a website, like the web is really good at this, of instead of going out and looking at every single reviewer, like looking up Los Angeles Times, looking up the New York Times, looking up Variety, looking up Hollywood Reporter, uh, and trying to track down a movie before, because I, I went to see Oppenheimer. Yeah. And the matinee was seventeen dollars. Yeah. I was like, I thought I got a discount for coming in the afternoon. They're like, that is the discount. <laughs> and I was like, holy moly! So if you're taking a family of three or four and you're going to buy popcorn and stuff, it's a pretty big investment. People wanted to know, yeah. am I going to like this movie? Oh sure. So what Rotten Tomatoes did is they said we're going to go out. We're going to become an aggregator. Mm-hmm. We are going to excerpt. We're going to create an algorithm that's going to go to all the reviewers. That when they publish online, so for the Washington Post, Ann Hornaday writes a column, we'll scrape a paragraph of it. We're not going to scrape the whole thing. We're just going to scrape a paragraph in whatever she ranks it, whether it was Siskel and Ebert thumbs up or four out of five stars or whatever unit she uses, we're going to translate that into a score. And so we're going to do that for, you know, all Siskel and Ebert, you know, Kenneth Turan, all the big names. And so the beginning of Rotten Tomatoes was great because you could go out there and get a legitimate feel like like I always thought um, Ebert, I, I was pretty in tune with Ebert. If Ebert, Roger Ebert loved a movie, most most of the time I would at least like it a lot. Hmm. If he really hated a movie, like we had similar tastes. And so if if Ebert loved it. I could feel more confident going to that movie. So you find reviewers that sort of mirror your own taste, and it was great in its first iteration. And so then Hollywood was like, well, we don't like it when we have a bomb. When 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 the major papers don't like our movie, it affects our box office, and that's bad. Mm-hmm. And so they said, how do we do this? So they started to recruit sort of off-brand reviewers, uh, the literal person in their home office or the basement to say, Hey, we're going to send you some swag. We're going to send you some, a premiere, a DVD. Uh, 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 what are they called when you get it before it's released? A pre-release DVD. And we want you to review the movie. And there was a wink and a nod of like, we kind of either explicitly expect you to write a good review 
or we're going to pay you some cash to get a good review. And so these off-brand movie reviewers or second-tier movie reviewers, they weren't professionals, they're hobbyists, they started to get folded into Rotten Tomatoes. And Rotten Tomatoes never weighted the scores, and they don't weight the enthusiasm. So if you are Kenneth Turan or you're Ann Hornaday, you're, you're – analysis has the same weight as you know joe blow in his mom's basement that got a free screener mm. and so they just add up all the stuff and aggregate it and it's so they don't account for the actual weight of someone like siskel and ebert is worth more than joe blow yeah, but rotten tomatoes does not account for that and so what the movie industry has done is they've hacked that algorithm so when their their initial review comes out if it's bad they they recruit their horde of homegrown reviewers get them to review and submit it to rotten tomatoes and boom their average score pops up and so it's really deceptive and rotten tomatoes could fix that um, but it would take some programming and discipline to do so. And then I don't know how you would backdate it, you know, because you could you could create it now where it's like, these are the top 50 reviewers. They have a body of work. Their stuff is worth 100 points each. And then it's going to go down to a guy that's like one point. Yeah. And, and then if you aggregate that, I think you get a better representation of what the movie is. Yeah. And you just know, like certain franchises, the Fast and the Furious, the, the Fast and the Furious has made billions of dollars. That really bugs reviewers. It bugs them that there's 10, 11, 12 Fast and Furious is out. I doubt if uh, the main stars hate each other as much as they say they do. It's, it seems that like, like any time that Vin Diesel is saying something about Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, it's just about the time there, there, there's a movie <laughs> that's about to be released, right? And they start talking smack about each other and do they really get along and do they film scenes together and all that other stuff. So, but, but anyway, Rotten Tomatoes hates them, but there's a lot of people out there that love that franchise that, that, that love them. So if you, if you check their Fast and Furious scores, I bet they're, I bet they're horrific. So do you, do you use, do you, do you use the tomato meter at all? I, I don't use just the meter. I will go to Rotten Tomatoes, but I will go in and read the reviews of people that I trust. So I like Ann Hornaday's taste. I like Kenneth Turan's taste. I like uh, Richard Roper's taste. And so I will go through and, and at least read the blurb from those reviews. And sometimes Variety has a good reviewer. And then, but I won't just look at it and go, oh, I got an 87, great. It's like, no, I'm going to go in and spend three minutes glancing at those reviews. Do, yeah. you, do you use it? My son and I do. We'll kind of we'll kind of glance at it, but usually I just watch the trailer and then the. It's like, the, do I want to see the seventeenth Marvel movie this year? <laughs> Speaking of what you want to see, some of the stuff you want to see, maybe you'll have to see again. Uh, will is is there a lot of stuff that Hollywood has shot that's in the can because they might need it? Five, what is it? Five months now. There's a writer strike and an actor strike. Is there an end in sight? Well, maybe. Let's talk more on the other side of this. Hey, 
It's Ron here with Mitch Weeks. You hear him on the show from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, you guys have a cool program out right now because interest rates are higher than they've been for quite a while, but you have a, a solution possibly for buyers. We do. Rates are high, but they're expected to go down, and that's why we came up with this program. It's the Rate Replace Program. So you can buy at current rates, and then when rates drop within the next year or so, you actually get to replace that rate, and the fees are on us. So you can refinance that loan into a new loan, and we will cover the lender fees for you. So that's the rate and replace program. Replace that rate. Very cool. So that's a, a really a good incentive for buyers. Uh, you can buy now with the security of knowing that Mitch at Mitch.loans will replace that rate. Check him out right now online at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show. Again, if you need us, buyers, investors, uh, sellers. Yeah, sellers, if you're selling in 2024, we should be talking right now. Reach out to us, ronandonsitdown.com, and we can sit down uh, today. We're just talking about the tomato meter and also talking about Hollywood a little bit. What's really interesting is it seems like Drew Barrymore, who does a daytime talk show that was born during COVID, is one of the first daytime talkers to come forward and say, hey, remember what I said a couple of months ago about how we stand with the writers, we stand with the actors, and we will just keep throwing reruns your way? She has decided, and her show has decided, and she said, hey, this is on me. This is, this is my decision. We have made this sh- uh, decision, a show, a show that she's going to step forward and start. As a result of that, you see other daytime talk shows like The Talk saying, yeah, well, we're going to come forward. And now you have late night hosts who've been doing a podcast. Well, Bill Maher wasn't a part of that podcast. He has now uh, come out and said, yeah. We're not going to do our monologue that is normally written by writers. And there's some other parts of the show we won't be doing because it's usually written by writers. But we are going to bring uh, a back my talk show because it's time. It's been five months. And he says that he has done the best that he could do about paying his people, even though that they've been off air. But it's time to come back on. And his reasoning, Ron, is, hey, this isn't just about the writers. It's about the cameraman. It's about the gaffers. It's about the showrunners. It's about the people that make money. Uh, when his show is executed and performed. And and he has also said on other uh, talk shows, I've heard him on podcasts saying, hey, the writers have to be careful here because th- the bottom line is this. They don't have the leverage that they think they have. He says there's a lot of things that have been recorded in Hollywood. They, dur- they did this during COVID. And he said they, they have lots of supply to fill whatever demand that they have. And he believes it's going to be hard for the writers and actors to ride this out because there is so much supply. And he doesn't want this to affect the competitive advantage that his show might have by coming back first while other late night shows uh, are throwing reruns your way. So it'd be really interesting to see if we see the Jimmies now and the Stephen Colbert's and all that come forward. Uh, what, what say you as you look at this and did Drew, Drew Barrymore and the ladies at the talk, did they, did they make a mistake by crossing that picket line? Because the folks, the writers and the actors say that they will be coming for these shows and they will be picketing these shows. Um, just, I find this super interesting, but as a blanket statement, and, and Don and I worked in the periphery of the entertainment business in radio. I, I am for talent getting paid, writers and performers getting paid because, and Don and I were about this, um, 
all the time. Like if you looked at how much revenue our show brought in versus how much we got paid, it was a fraction of what the company made. And so that that's across the board. I'm not saying we didn't get, uh, you know, paid a, a living wage and all that stuff, but I'm saying we generated more vastly more revenue, uh, with our product than we were paid. And so I I'm with the people of saying, we're creating the stuff. We deserve more money. So having said that, if I'm a movie studio there is, or a television company or whatever, there's no way I'm folding on this. You can't swing a cat in Los Angeles without hitting a screenwriter or a writer of some sort. I mean, at USC film school, every writer in the United States of America that thinks they have what it takes moves to Los Angeles and there are waiters and bartenders and trying to get into the industry. And so there is, like you said, they have no leverage. They have no leverage. Why would a TV studio or a movie studio voluntarily give stuff up when they don't have to? The truly greats find a way. Quentin Tarantino, Taylor Sheridan, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, you know, go down the list. Um, if you're a great writer, you find a way to get your stuff made. You just do. Now, if you're a second tier sort of journeyman, I'm going to write a sitcom or I'm going to help write a monologue type of writer. I'm sorry. You're not as good as you think you are um, because you can be replaced. And so you might be a talented writer and maybe you come up with some funny jokes, but at the end of the day, from, from the film studios point of view or the TV, if you're, if you're CBS or something, you're like, I got a stack of resumes, a mile higher writers, Surely we can find 10 or 12 people to write a monologue. And so they are, they are not shaking in their boots over this, I don't think. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, these writers are saying they don't want to be replaced by AI. You're, you're already going to be replaced by AI. So if not this go around, when you strike again in five years. It was interesting because we were on, Ron and I were online the other day, and we have this big party coming up for our clients. If you didn't get an invitation to one of our clients, please reach out to us. Reach out to me, Don, at ronanddon.com, because we're having a big party. It's a client appreciation coming up October 7th, all right? And and we want all you guys to be there. It's going to be professionally catered. It's going to be super cool. And it's at actually one of the houses that uh, I renovated with one of my partners. So I think you're going to love it. Uh, so just reach out to us. We, we had to come up with an invitation, and we were sitting there trying to figure out the wording. And then we said, what are we doing? Let's just ask AI. AI did it in five seconds. What it created was what we wanted. It was better than what we were doing. And that just kind of gives you a glimpse of you're sitting in a writer's room and you're trying to come up with a monologue and you're trying to do it, though, in the voice of Bill Maher, right? Will you be able to do that? You will. Like, for instance, I know with this particular invitation, if we wanted it written in the voice of an eighth grader, it can do that. There are kids right now figuring out how they can take tests in the eighth grade, using AI, making sure that their essay sounds like, like like an eighth grader wrote it. And I mean, that is happening right now as we sit here. And so if, if you're a writer and you have been replaced by AI because you have, you have to figure out, uh, okay, someone moved my cheese here. Read the book. Uh, someone moved my cheese. How is a writer, can I use AI to give myself a competitive advantage uh, when it comes to TV and when it comes to movies. It's going to be the same thing in the real estate space. It's the, it's the real estate agents. It's the mortgage brokers. It's the people that are connected to title that understand the technology and aren't running from it. Uh, 
those that embrace it and use it uh, have a bright future. Those that don't, they won't. I agree. Like you, you voluntarily chose to be in that industry. If you want to be a grinder worker bee, um, then being in the entertainment industry is not the place for you. I'm sorry. Like you have to do, like you said, you got to be the shiny object or be so good that it's undeniable. And for a lot of these writers, they're not that good. They're good, but not that good. And yeah. so not, not good enough to bring a studio to its knees. I've, I, I, I've shared this before. Taylor Sheridan, these, these writers want on every show, there has to be 10 writers. He, he writes all his shows. He writes Yellowstone, right? And all the spinoffs from that. He writes that by himself. He doesn't want 10 other writers. He locks himself away in Montana. If you don't think he has the ability to write that ranch that you see on Yellowstone, he now owns that ranch. And in fact, he couldn't afford to buy that ranch. He so. rents his own cattle to the show. Yeah. So he went to the woman that was selling this ranch. And then he went to the folks at Paramount and said, you guys buy that ranch. And the way I'm going to pay you back is I'm going to keep writing hit television shows. And they were able to do that. So there's an example of a writer that's a phenomenal writer that has a competitive advantage. And here we are in the age of AI. And he is still locking himself away in a cabin in Montana and writing these shows on his own. So it can be done. But, uh, yeah, good luck doing it like he does it, right? And it'd be very interesting to find out if he ends up using AI down the road for some of these shows that he is producing as well. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by this edition of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget the show drops every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Friday, we do a real estate-only edition of the Ron and Don Show. This Friday, our good friend Mitch from Mitch.Loans will be stopping by. And if you're thinking about yeah, buying a property and being an investor. Uh, he has some exciting news that he's going to share with you coming up on the Friday edition. And Ron, if people are listening right now, if they're thinking about buying, selling, investing, this is the time to virtually sit down with us. Absolutely. Uh, reach out to me, Ron, at ronandon.com. You can also hit us up at ronandonsitdown.com. We have a first-time buyer right now, Nick. We're going to be starting looking for him. So it's been a, a fun process uh, to help someone out in their 20s say, I want to get into the game. Yeah. And we also just helped a couple buy an investment home that we're turning into three doors. So there's three opportunities, right? One of those doors, you could do a 30-day rental, one you could do a long-term rental, and one you could do a short STR. You think about the ROI coming back on that, pretty phenomenal. If you don't know what STR is or ROI, when I use those terms, chances are we should sit down. WTF. Sit down. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this edition once again. Uh, the next edition drops this Wednesday. Thanks for favoriting uh, the Ron and Don show and also giving us a five-star review that helps us in the algorithm with the show. And send us your info. We'll send you a newsletter about once a week that lets you know what's happening with the show. And no, we do not sell your information like all the other guys. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Ron and Don show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.